0: we get to talk about love in this unexpected messiah series so uh, i hope you're you're ready for this cuz everybody knows how that works right well let's just see how this how this goes because god has done such an amazing job in revealing love toward us and we get to experience that in ways that are mind blowing because of Jesus, because he came, he left heaven, which was like less uh, comfortable here than where he was. And then he experienced the horrendous pain that was part of his journey and being here to rescue us. So we're going to look at love, the unexpected Messiah. Love is extreme good for someone else. I, I've seen a couple of things on Facebook, which has all knowledge and wisdom, people posting things like, well, now it's all about me. It's about um, somebody has been through some hurt, some pain, some kind of a situation that's been difficult. So now their answer to that is, well, I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to set my goals. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to promote myself. Yeah, you know, Wow. That's going to be a great life. And it's the opposite of what God intended for us. Not that there's not a place for goals and taking care of ourselves because we can't do much for others if we don't. But love is extreme good for someone else. It's doing things that will make a difference in the lives of other people. It is honoring God because we're first of all to love him above all else. So this is part of it. So extreme, extreme means a little bit, right? Some, just when you have time, when you can work it in. Uh, If you think about what you do in 168 hours God has given to you in a week, and you go, well, I'm going to squeeze in God somewhere when everything else is done, when I've, when I've accomplished my other goals, when work is done, when the food's done, when the laundry's done, when the car has oil changed, when I've aired the tires again, all the things that you've got that are so driving, and then God, if there's time for that. If not, there's another 168 hours maybe next week, and I'll do it that, that week maybe. Extreme means... We are so upside down in our approach to our God and to our relationship with Him and to our connection with the Supreme Being who has created all things that we give Him all. So everything comes under an umbrella and it's Him and all the other things fall into place under Him, the priorities, the activities all the things that that fill our lives with so much that it consumes us and we don't have time for him extreme means i'm going to give him first place he gets first place in my decision making first place in my finances first place in my relationships first time first place in my time what i'm going to do with all those all those other things come after I've done what God has called me to do, whatever that is in, in my life. I'm going to give him my all. How does that work with relationship with other people? And we give other people uh, such a, uh, an important place in our lives. You can check Philippians 2 for this. We look out for them, and we look out to raise their place in this world We look to encourage them instead of seeking encouragement. Well, they didn't ask. They weren't talking about me. They didn't applaud me. They didn't affirm me. They didn't. Sounds disgusting when you start talking like that, doesn't it? And it's about being there for other people, lifting them up, seeing what you can do to, you know, maybe help or listen or just sit in silence if they're hurting it's extreme. It's extreme meaning I don't give it a little bit. I don't give a tiny bit of thought after everything else is done. When I'm exhausted and I have nothing left, then maybe I'll think about it. And this is so different from that. But everything in this relationship with God is different. It's just the, the world has turned it upside down, which is why Isaiah and Isaiah 5 says, you know, watch out for that. When the world's saying that good is evil and evil's good, and, and you go, no, nope, mm-mm. The way I'm going to walk with God is I'm going to listen to him, I'm going to do it his way, and love extremely. And it's good. It's looking out for the good of another, lifting them up, building them up, pointing them to God himself, which is, which is the ultimate good and helping them to understand how he fits into their lives so we have a chance to do that in our circles and with family friends wherever we work or go to school wherever we are we have an opportunity to meet people and we're running into people and we have a moment it may be in the line in the long lines at the store and if you're in those winding lines at this time of the year you have a lot of time to make friends and you can just you know, just in those moments, say some encouraging thing. Or you can just be down and complain, which is a favorite for many people. But you don't have to do that. You let them do that. But if you speak into their lives something out of love because you were looking for something positive, go, I just don't even want to talk to people. I'm just going to through that dang line. Extreme good. Extreme good. Not a little bit. Not when you feel like it, extreme good. That's pouring into another person. And it's really going out of your way. Let me tell you a story about Homer and Anna. So here's this guy who's over in Germany in the occupation army following World War II. He's stationed near Munich. He is, His uh, experience there has brought him into a relationship with a young German woman named Anna. And he is so taken by Anna that he's supposed to be uh, sometimes not have a three-day pass. They were more controlling in those days of when you could have time off and, and visit the locals. And so he would just go, and he'd get in trouble. He'd be thrown in the stockade, and... He would break out of the stockade, and then he'd go to Siena. Then he goes to uh, a bigger stockade because they were tired of that. They stripped him of rank. He is now locked up in a serious place in Germany, Army, Stockade, and that didn't work, so they sent him home. They sent him to the States, and he's from Muskogee, so they send him back, and they just stay there. We'll just kick you out of the Army. And... He found a way to hop a freight, then he gets on a boat, and he goes back to Germany. And he goes back to Munich, and he goes to see Anna. And he has now violated, because he's not supposed to be there. He's not supposed to be in country. There's just all kinds of things he's now violated. And so they arrest him. And you can see there the official... Uh, telegram related to Homer. And he's captured. Romer Homer is captured. <laughs> Oklahoma bad man. He's making headlines all over, this is all over that this this thing was was made known. And he keeps breaking out of jails. It doesn't matter what kind of jail it doesn't matter how many guards they have on him. It doesn't matter how many handcuffs or chains Homer escapes and he goes to see Anna, who he called Annie. So, they wind up getting married and they move here. They happen to be friends of my family. We grew up with these guys together. If you've ever seen Apollo karate on 51st in Tulsa, Dale is their son and he was one of the kids we ran around with in in our growing up days. So, I know this story. He loved her until the the day they took their last breath. They loved each other. Cuz Homer loved Annie. That's extreme. Don't you think? 1 Corinthians 13:7, love never gives up. Just never gives up. You found that hard? To love extreme. To look out for the good. To build that kind of a relationship. God has that kind of love for his people. And we have this in Jeremiah chapter 31. God loves Israel. Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love I have drawn you to myself he's reaching out he's trying to get their attention he's trying to say hey come come to me he wants his people he wants his family he wants those gathered together with him he wants their good If you've ever read through some of the early books, the first five books of the law in the Old Testament, and you see a list, and there's like, oh, look at all these rules. Look how horrible this is. Because that's the typical attitude, isn't it? Look at these rules and how horrible to have these rules. And yet the very thing that God is doing is looking out for their good and separating them from the rest of the cultures around them to set them up for success. And obviously, we don't want success, and we don't want it good in our lives because we read through a list like that and go, that is just horrible. It's ultimately good because he's reaching out to them, and he wants to bring them into this relationship. So I've loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, and you can experience that now. God is reaching out to you as well, so God loves his people, and he has just made that known since the beginning, and he will go to extremes to show his love. And he will go in such a way. Because he wants the good. He wants to raise people up. He wants them to experience the very best. So he's willing to do that in the midst of cultures that are opposed to him. So let's look at that. Empires of darkness. Empires of darkness. And we're going to start with the Assyrians. They have uh, done some horrible things. They were a, a intense culture. They worshipped other gods. Uh, These are the, the rebellious gods who were dragging people down. Those gods are not loving their people. They want to control them. They want to make sure that they drive a wedge between the one true God and people. They don't want them to know him. Their approach to other cultures when they invaded, if they found people that they didn't the opposing armies or whatever they found they they enjoyed skinning people alive or removing organs one by one while the people are still experiencing this pain or putting them on poles and uh, just running them through their their system they were They were a horrible bunch of people with and they think they're They're honoring their God, their gods, as they go about this. Not very loving, not a good way to to, uh, reach other people. Northern Israel, the ten tribes in the north were invaded by Assyria and hauled off into captivity. That's the group that came in. But they, they are there, and they are evil. They are doing their best to divide people from that which is loving and good and to and to drive this the people as far away from the from the love of God as they can. Today we have other empires that exist. We have one like China and in that system even though they make most of the things we use in this country their system is such that it drives people from God. The whole Idea of the leadership in the country is to keep people far away from God. If they try to set up a church, eh, they will send in the police or an army, haul the people away, put them in prison, and burn the place down. They will, if they find them with a Bible. Do you know how scary Bibles are? Or a Bible app, they can go to prison. They can be killed. They'll definitely be tortured. Why? Why is it so frightening to have a connection with the living God? Why is it that a, uh, a country is huge, and at this point, their wealth rivals what we have in the United States? You know, they have wealth, they have position in this world, and they are so afraid that God might be known that a Bible might get loose, that a Bible app might be read, that people in some way would connect with the Most High God. How frightening is that to drive a people to hire secret police to go after others, to pay neighbors to tell them if they know of anybody singing praise songs to God so they can turn them in. What is driving that? The gods of this world do not want people to know the love of God. They don't want them to have a relationship with Him. So, whole countries, whole empires are busy, have been busy for centuries, for millennia, to divide people from and keep them from knowing the love of God. And it's happening, the empires of darkness what does the influence of spiritual powers look like and we have some in india and the worship in it, there are hundreds hundreds of gods that they worship small g gods in india they have a variety of ways of worship there and they you know the ganges river the indus and they have practices that have been going on there for years and years and years And these things are for gods, small g gods, in opposition to the one true God, redirecting these people away from a true relationship with the Creator, with the love that God has for them. He desires them. There's a billion of them now in India. Those billion are important to him. He wants them to come into the family. But there are other... uh, Rebellious divine beings who are in opposition to that and they run opposite and so they fight against it all the time And so these people believe it. They like their candles. They do their prayers and they follow other gods and we go wow, obviously Such an ignorant ignorant bunch of people You ever felt that way about people in other places? Ah, oh, Man yeah, I want to send missionaries over there, but really, they're just pretty ignorant. So, let's bring this thing home. Remember the Cosby Show? Everybody loved Cosby, so we watched Cosby and all of his shows. I've I even went to a couple of the live shows just because he was so funny. Like this Noah thing, and we just go and and uh, celebrate all the things that are going on. So family is presented, and it's a and it's a family that's functioning. You know, they have their funny moments and some moment of dysfunction, but basically, a doctor, a lawyer, mom and dad, and and they can sing and dance, and and then they have their interactions with the kids, and and it's all in all during the time that this is playing is like, man, that is that is that's how family ought to be. That is just so cool. What was missing? There is no God. You can do this. If you're a doctor, lawyer, you're, you're clever, and you train your kids up. But you don't have to have God. You just figure out where to get the best education, get the best job, make the most money, live well, get a brownstone in New York. You just put those things together, and you have arrived. So what is it that drives a wedge between the people in America... And the most high God. We have some who worship other gods. We have some who practice those things. Who go after evil. Even as evil as the Assyrians. There are cartels who do exactly those kind of things. That stuff exists. It's not the major thing. What is bigger for us? Cosby shows. Lots and lots of Cosby shows. Looks good. There is no God because you don't need God. Remember what happened to Bill? It's in prison. Why? Because of his view of women and sexuality. So you can drug them and do whatever you want. Did that come up in the show? What is it about that Drive in humanity that says, you know, I don't need God. I don't need that stinking morality. I don't need to treat people with extreme good, looking out for them with love. I just need to look good. I I need the appearance. I need the money. I need the position. I need the fame. I need the affirmation. And look at that. The spiritual powers, the evil, dark, spiritual powers have driven a wedge, a chasm between people in this country and the living God. He's not there. Watch the reruns. He's not there. Unnecessary. And then Bill, who is actually a hero to me in many ways, winds up in prison, and when you find out the real story, you go, wow, that is just dark. That's just a horrible way to treat other human beings, isn't it? So what does the influence of spiritual powers look like? I don't know. I like, you know, Hallmark movies, really positive And, you know, there's good entertainment and all kinds of things. But remember, people that are in those are actors. Those are fiction stories. What about the real true God who loves us with an everlasting love, who sent his son to suffer and to die to make a difference here? What about that God? Does he have a place? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's trying to win all of these people, Cosby family, the people in India, the people in China. He tried to reach the Assyrians. It's, he's just trying to get his family together. The Lord is God, the Most High. Rebel gods, including Satan, inspire, distract, intimidate, and manipulate people around the world in anti-God and anti-Christ beliefs and pursuits. Just as an aside, when you hear the term "anti-Christ," and you put say it faster, it's "anti-Christ." Then you come up with, oh, that's prophetic. That's coming at the end. That's when it's going to happen. There's one, and he's evil, and he's bad, and watch out for him because that's coming, and it's in, in the end of the world, and it's going to be bad. And I hope we get raptured before that. And so you come up with a whole series of things. And John, read through the letters, First John, Second John, you just find out Antichrist have been here since the get go. Anti Christ, opposed to the Messiah. Opposed to his truth, opposed to what God is trying to do in bringing this love, this extreme good into the lives of people, and they're going. They want the Antichrist want to go a different direction. Been happening two thousand years, still happening. These are uh, entities. There are spiritual beings who are driving uh, headlong into people and trying to divide them, distract, intimidate, manipulate people around the world, and they stir up people. God loves people and has made himself known in many ways so they can live their lives fully and eternally. He is investing in people's lives to make a difference. They are opposed to what he's trying to do. You can read the news pretty much every day. You can listen to it on TV, radio, internet, wherever you want to get it, and you will hear anti-God Antichrist and the things that are being that are unfolding all around you it is just the world we live in. God is offering something else He wants you to know that he loves you and that he has something else in mind God's solution to the evil in the world declare the powerful plan so he wants to say i'm coming uh, the Messiah is coming. So you ready for that? The Messiah is coming to take over, destroy the destroyers, and take people home. Now we get to destroy the destroyers even in Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent shows up and God says, I'm I'm sending help. I'm going to send somebody who's going to crush his head. It's coming. That's coming. So we know we we, we have a little bit of a hint that God has a plan and that somebody's going to come and take out that that devil, which is good news. So he's coming to do that. So we know that there's a plan in place and that things are working out. We are dealing, uh, or we're, we're, this is the series, The Unexpected Messiah. When we read through some of these prophecies, we are 2,000 years into this. People have been celebrating Christmas a while, long enough that we have traditions and and decorations, and songs, and we know about it. So that's, that's where we are today. When Jesus showed up, nobody had the decorations up, and we didn't have one Christmas carol. He shows up. There is no music in the background when he's born in that stable. No music playing. Well, Those angels are singing, but that's a song from somewhere out there. Huh. So what was God thinking when he did this? That's where we come to this part. Keep the details top secret. God's solution to the evil in the world. He's declared that there's a plan. He's sending help. And then he keeps it secret. This ought to be a great lesson for everybody. I want to know everything God has in mind for me. I want to know what his plan is for next week. Well, maybe even this afternoon. And for the next 10 years and just lay it out for me. And actually, I just want to pick and choose. I'm good with this one. I don't like that one. This one's good. That one's nah. This is God's plan. He kept it secret. You ever watch any spy movies? You know, the worst thing you can do is say, hey, I'm a spy. I'm, I'm sneaking into your place at 930. You don't do that. Why? Because you're accomplishing a goal that has to have secrecy. That's what he did. The Messiah's first coming and purpose is hidden in the Bible, and neither the human nor spiritual enemies of God understood it. They didn't understand it. Remember the the apostles, they're, they're following Jesus around. He's explained a lot of things to them. They're still trying to piece that thing together. You know, he says, well, I'm going to go die, you know, and and then three days later I'm going to come back alive. Yeah, yeah, right. Where can we go get some dinner? Because they're just not, mm. And he'd go through and he'd give them a little hint. They they didn't get it. And he goes over and over, and then, then he actually is arrested, and he goes, like, that's a secret. I've been telling you this for days. And it was for them. And so they all run off, and then he's, comes back, freaks them out. Why should that have freaked them out when he's told them, I'm coming back, over and over? And he was just blunt with them. It didn't make any difference. But all the things leading up to this, the, the idea of the Messiah, his dying on the cross, his coming back to life, it's in the scriptures. But in Luke 24, when Jesus is on the road with the two guys going to Emmaus, he has to open their minds, remember that, opens their minds and explains to them where he is in all the scriptures. They didn't know. It was a secret. Why? Because the enemy, the anti-God beings in the high places, in the spiritual places, would see to it that they disrupted this. And they thought they were being clever. Let's just have him killed. Let's just get rid of the Son of God. He won't listen. He doesn't want to follow Satan, try to tempt him. He wouldn't go with it. So, nope. Let's do this. So here's the plan. God's wise plan out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. It was a secret. They would have done everything they could to keep him alive. He had to pay the penalty for sin. He had to die so he could break death and the way to break death is to go to die to go to the underworld and defeat death and then come back. And he took the keys. He took the keys. He did it. They didn't see that coming. So while he's down there we're told in first Peter he's down there preaching. Yeah, <laughs> neener neener. Well, I don't know, it's not really that's not in the Greek. He's going, uh uh-uh. No, I win. You guys are staying here, and I'm going to set a whole bunch of people free. And now the secret's out. You're going, well, I know, you know. Uh, just a hint it's also a mystery. And he said, nobody knows but the father. you can kind of get a feel of the the sense. But he's after a family, remember? He's still trying to get his people. Billion in India, bunch of them in China. He's still trying to get people that are watching Cosby. He's just trying to get people. Come on, y'all. Come to me. Watch out for all that anti-God, anti-Christ stuff that's all around you and come. Because his love is extreme, and his love is good, and he's looking out for us. But he didn't get fooled, sucked in, and think, wow, I just need to give this information. I need to give all this information. I need to lay it out so all the people in Israel and the Jewish people and everybody can know, and then they'll feel so good about themselves because, see, it's all just laid out. It's laid out for all the enemy to see, too. And so when you say, God, I, I just need your plan, I need it detailed, About every 15 minutes, your plan for me, and and just lay that out. Who else is looking over your shoulder and seeing that, and who is coming after you if they know what it is? So, do you seriously want to ask God to give you that anymore? Keep it a mystery. Let him guide and direct the way he does. Let him do it through the Holy Spirit. Let him do it in the ways that he communicates so that it confuses and confounds and messes with them. All of them. And sometimes, remember, he's speaking in the people's ears. That's how the Assyrians got the way they did. That's why the Chinese are doing what they're doing. He gets human beings to listen, and they go the direction they go. It's just all around us. We need him, and we need him to do it his way. And we need him to have secrets. And we need to know that he is, well, we should know this, he's trustworthy. His plan will work out. It's just so amazing. So Gabriel tells Mary God's plan. This is Luke 1, 28 to 33. You're familiar with this. Just not in the context I've just given you. Gabriel appeared. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. His kingdom will never end. Wow. That's not what they told me in synagogue class. Huh? Because it's a mystery. This is God's plan. He's been saving it, He's been waiting for Mary, and Mary arrives, and now's the time. That's how this works. God made a way because He loves you. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He loves you. He's trying to bring His family together. So what are your plans for now and eternity? What are the plans that you have? Do they include having God as a priority, or listening to the anti-God, anti-Christ influences and influencers all around. All around. They speak in your family. They will try to keep you from following Christ. They will keep you busy. They will keep you off balance. They'll keep you arguing around the dinner table. They will interrupt holiday times when you're going yeah i want to set a time where i want to focus on the lord and what he has done and they will keep you so busy wrapping presents late into the night fixing pecan pie and you won't have a clue because you're so foggy-brained that jesus was born on that day or you kind of know it but still what see the problem there's a God in heaven who loves you and he has given you an opportunity to get close to him. He wants your family to come close too. Your friends, your co-workers, people in school with you, whatever wherever they are, he wants them to come. Don't let them stand in the way. Do not let them stand in the way. And if you're listening to a bunch of bunk on the internet or TV or somewhere, stop it. It's not going to draw you closer. Now, if you can identify it and you go, okay, I need to understand the world I live in, fine. Don't get sucked into it. All around you, anti-God, anti-Christ, the influences are thick, but God loves you with an everlasting love, a love that is extreme and is for your good. He wants to bring you into that. What are your plans for now and eternity? Homer desperately went after Anna time and again. God has reached out to you and others to bring people into the family and get them close to him. He's reached out over and over and over to get you close. He's still, he's just an extreme God. That's just how he works. God knew you would be coming along one day and out of love sent his son to make a difference, to overcome the darkness, to bring light into the world, and to give you life. So, how will you respond to him today? With all that's going on in your life, with the holidays upon us, who takes priority? What is his place in your life? And where will he be six months from now, eight months from now, a year from now? He has loved you. With an extreme love for your good. Ah, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for making a difference in our lives. Thank you for overcoming the darkness. Thank you for revealing to us the light. And Lord, help us to keep that love in perspective, to love you greatly, to love others as you give us the love to do so extremely in Jesus name Amen